Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. But now it's time to chat about GAA because Mick, it is another big weekend. Look, there's no point in even uh, trying to hype these up anymore because they're just going to get bigger and bigger from here on out. Yeah, it's it's a consistently big weekend of GEA until Christmas. Let's yeah, just exactly. let's just take it as as red. Even if some games might not happen every now and then, and teams might have to kind of forfeit their place in the championship. Sadly, uh, there obviously is enough games to keep us going. Yeah, I'm just going through some of the games that are on this weekend to available to watch. On Friday night, you've got Tipperary against Monaghan in the All Ireland Ladies Football Championship on TG Cahar. On Saturday, you've got. Uh, Limerick against Tipperary in the Munster Football Championship. That's an RT News now. Cavan against Leitrim, or sorry, against Leitrim against Antrim. The victorious Cavan are playing in the Ulster Football Championship quarterfinal on BBC. Uh, you've got the All Ireland Hurling Championship qualifiers. You've got Clare against Leash on GA Go. Dublin against Cork on Sky Sport Sports Mix. You've also got the All Ireland Ladies Football Championship match of Kerry against Cork. Two Kerry Cork derbies uh, this weekend. That's on TG Cahar at 3 p.m. on Saturday. You've got the Leinster Football Championship Dublin against Westmead on Sky Sports Mix on Saturday at a quarter past six. And then on Sunday, Connacht Football Championship. Ross Gommon against Mayo on RTE. Romana against Down in the Ulster Football Championship on BBC. Three games on Diego in the Leinster Football Championship. Longford against Leash, Wicklow against Mead, Offaly against Kildare, and then the Munster Football Championship. Cork against Kerry on RTE at 4pm. Mm-hmm. We also have Camogie matches that will be live on Facebook as well. So it is an absolutely packed weekend. Yeah, so everything kind of comes back to Cork versus Kerry for me in terms of bigger picture. But the beauty of all this is that there's a lot of beautiful, really interesting smaller pictures all around the place. You know, I think the I think the two Cork matches over the course of the weekend are probably the the two most significant, I suppose, because what will Cork do against Dublin in the in the hurling qualifier as well? Was that the real Cork we saw against Waterford, or do they have something to bounce back? Because if they don't play better, they will lose to Dublin. I'm like, uh, you know, I think yeah. this, you know, I know we we didn't really see a great Dublin performance until the last ten minutes against Kilkenny either, um, when they you know made that rather dramatic comeback. But they have the hurlers to damage Cork if. Cork kind of like our soul lethargic again. So that's a really interesting kind of big picture thing in the hurling. And then Cork v Kerry is always, you know, it's the 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 marquee monster match and you know it's our first time seeing Kerry and what are Cork gonna do. But it's funny when you were going through all the rest of them, you're thinking, God, there's a little nugget of fascination with almost every football fixture that's there. Definitely that's if you look at them like even like say Monster Football Championship, all right, Limerick and Tipperary are probably not going to win the Monster Championship. But Limerick have had a brilliant year. Tipperary are rejuvenated since uh, coming back after the lockdown in the last few weeks. So like that's just just as a, a story in itself as a nice one on Saturday. Obviously, the Cavan Antrim one, Cavan have to go back up that win now against Monaghan. There's so many, even you're talking about the Dublin-Cork uh, match in terms of the Cork perspective in the Hurland. Mm. There's two things I'm looking forward to. This one is Dublin, as in the, they have an opportunity here to go out and beat Cork if they play, like you said, in the, in the last few minutes. Definitely, and also the yeah. fact that the Hurling Championship for me has kind of, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not making a decision on it yet because I'm kind of taking, there's two ways you can look at this. One, it's that there's too much scoring, the, especially with the wind and everything now as well. It's just kind of restart score, restart score. There's very little turnovers, very little drama in them so far. But then the other thing is maybe that 
fact, the factor that it wasn't actually straight knockout plays into that, whereas this weekend it is, so it makes it very different. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair enough point. I'd be quite down on some of the matches so far and I have to say Mark I don't actually do you know what can we just talk like really briefly is like you watch the Cavan match you don't watch many championship Cavan matches at home um at the weekend at the weekend I was the same with the Clare and I don't know if there is a difference in football and hurling here but what I found in all the hurling matches especially that I've watched so far is I underestimated how big a deal the championship roar is, I suppose. You know what I mean? It's like you watch league matches, you watch even club matches, and you're kind of used to them seeing kind of cavernous, sort of dull enough environments. A lot of shouting would be going on, but less of a kind of a collective 30,000. And just, there was some scores in Limerick, Tipperary, Clare, especially the Munster games that I've watched, Waterford and, and Cork especially as well, where you just would have seen a terrace erupt behind the goal where it went over. And, it has so much of it. It depends on how, I suppose, how, how much people judge how much of an, a, an atmosphere has an effect on a game. But when you've been in those environments, they feel like they take on a life of their own. And, and that's nearly every match. Like, it's not this rare thing to happen. And yeah. I wonder is a lot of the, the way hurling games are going and the way there isn't that geeing up is taken away from that kind of intensity and that pressure and like some of the shooting. Some of the like take out the storm that Limerick and Tip played in, where there's some uh, there was a few wides, and even then not that many. I don't think Tip had. I think Tip only had one wide in the game. They didn't shoot very much. Uh, you know the scoring has been unbelievable. Like the percentages of what like Limerick are hitting over and stuff like that is incredible. But I wonder if that's a different story if there's twenty thousand Tip fans behind the goal. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. I don't know whether you thought that the same. Watch, you know exactly what a Cavan Monaghan championship game feels like, and you're watching a very different thing with those frees and stuff like that in extra time. The only thing I think the Cavan Monaghan match, there was like there was still a, a good atmosphere. I had you could just hear, you know, it's been picked up more. It, 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 probably because it was a derby, and just there was, and and you could hear like some of it was interesting. Like even top of Raymond Galligan. Uh, with his free at the very end the point to equalise it that Jerry Smith got um, to draw the game send it to extra time off the outside yeah. of his right boot I'm 90% sure it was 50th minute yeah it was uh, Raymond Galligan but I could be wrong but as the ball's coming to Jerry Smith you could hear Raymond Galligan shouting have a go Jerry have a go I think it, it could be I could be wrong it might not be Galligan but we talked about this in the podcast before about Galligan being kind of like a director of proceedings and uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. have a possession and he's out way out the field just telling everyone when to go when to go so I presume it was him those kind of things are really interesting to hear and there was definitely there's an atmosphere because of just the actual drama of the, of the situation they're in like between either on the Monaghan side and begging equalizers or when Gallagher puts them ahead so because there was none of that drama in the latter stages of the Horland matches bar mm. the Dublin Kilkenny one it probably lacked it was probably even more noticeable that there was no crowd at those games you definitely obviously would miss them from the you know just a fist pump and score 20 minutes yeah. into the game or whatever but I don't know like from the club championships when they were played behind closed doors there was more entertaining than club championship games that were behind closed doors that were shown on t- television fair enough yeah months. yeah 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 I'm, I, I suppose I, it's not the entertainment value I'm specifically talking about so much as I think the how much of an impact it has on the games you know, yeah. and, and, and the outcomes even. Like, you know, it's wonder, like, you know, certain teams would be more predisposed to and honestly the the idea of when when Tip got their goal on 
um, Sunday to kind of in the second half to sit the, the Noel McGrath pick up off the ground goal does that G up a crowd so much that they rise to it and come back as opposed to Limerick just kind of like taking it in their stride. Now see that's what I'm saying, like you know, Limerick are a borderline professional style team that you would you know, that's that's their that's how good they are anyway. They probably would have taken it in their stride. But anyway, again, it's it's just it's just a question I think for people to see. It's I personally one of my personal takeaways from the first two weeks of championship action is I think I underestimated how big a deal that championship sound very different to a crowd at a game specific you know it's like a a monster championship sound say for example is and then being in hundreds of them over the years how they can take on lives of their own yeah i wonder does it actually in hurling have a bigger effect on the amount of hooks and blocks yes and that's where you know the i word mark Intensity. I don't want. To, I didn't want to say it, but you went. You went there. Uh, but that kind of like that. It's not actually the crowd gene on to get the score because there's like obviously some fantastic scoring so far in the championship. It's more the the lift and the boost to get you to to make that big hit or the big block or the big hook or whatever it is. That might be where actually it's uh, most found most lacking. Uh, but look at hopefully this weekend we're going to see some better games. Uh, in the hurling championship with those two given that a straight knockout the football get matches as you mentioned Cork and Kerry is the big one but also Roscommon and Mayo Roscommon and Mayo could be yes. the game sorry the I actually overlooked that for a second there sorry yeah Roscommon and Mayo is arguably bigger because you would expect so Kerry Kerry are a level above Cork they're a yeah. division above you know almost like whereas Monaghan and Mayo or Monaghan and Mayo and Roscommon Mark given what we've seen in, from Roscommon and Connacht in the last few years you know Unbelievable, but I, I actually think one of the things to look out for in that game as well is uh, Mayo in particular, if they come through it, if they come through a close game, I very, very, very much wonder how beneficial it is for them to go and meet a cold Galway in the yeah. Connacht final who won't have played that game and Mayo will have played a warm-up against Leitrim, a really big game against Roscommon, and then are they tired or are they flying? by the time they come to meet Galway, you know. Roscommon, it's a similar situation because they'll have the Mayo game, like, but they won't have the two. But even so, yeah. I think for both of them, I think they're at an advantage, actually, against Galway. Like, the two teams that I'm really interested going into this championship to see what effect the last couple of weeks have had on them are Roscommon and Kildare. Because both of them have obviously had a good, like, albeit Kildare didn't get promoted from Division 2, but they won their two games since they came back from the lockdown in March, we were same. talking about them getting relegated, like so. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. like Kildare against Offaly as well as uh, that's the type of the exact type of game that um, that Kildare, like the old Kildare, could like you know could come unstuck. To, you know when they got beaten by Carlo in the championship, uh, so that's kind of an interest that's going to tell the tale with them. And like I mentioned, Roscommon, what are like how just how good are Roscommon? Because they won, and not only did they win their two games since they came back, they beat Cam with half a team. So. You know, if they have everybody back and they're ready to go here, this could be an absolute massive match. That's at half one on Sunday. Briefly, Mick, just before we go, we didn't really mention uh, Claire and Leash there. Yeah, uh, it's one that, albeit Leash, well beaten um, so far in the championship. The Claire again, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like with the Cork one. If Claire don't get their act together. This could be a dangerous one for them. It's hard to know if Leash have the performances of last year of the Dublin game, everything they did in the Joe McDonough and Dublin game, and then their performance against Tip. It's hard to know if they have that in them. They survived in Division One in the hurling. That might have been their probably their uh, 
their uh, motive at this motivation at the start of the year. Like, I can't see Claire having a, a massive problem based on again. Maybe that's just based on previous meetings over years against Leash, and that's not fair on the current team. But again, like. Claire would want to step up the performance for a variety of reasons. One, to get past Leash, and two, to say that you're meeting Tipper Wexford in the next round and, you know, unlikely to beat either of those teams unless they significantly improve from what, uh, what they did against Limerick. I'm going to pause the GA conversation there for a second because it is time for a big shout. All right, hold it! Steady. Just hold it, Alan! Push him out! Steady! David, don't! Get round! No, don't! Bloody! Yes, big show time. Your chance to win two cakes in a sports rugby, but correctly sending us in a prediction that is 25 to 1 or greater on Labrooks this weekend. And if it comes off, you'll win yourself that very, very special prize of two cakes and a sports biography of your choosing. Anyone you want, as long as we have it in the office or whatever in you call the it, office. virtual office. <laughs> we can't even remember what ones are in the in office my house. at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so, Mark, you're having another go this week, even though you failed last week. Yes, I was yeah. close last week. And no, the I, reason I, I, for I, I, that I, is, I think it's important to inform our loyal listeners that it's technically, on air anyway, your last chance to win two cakes in a sports biography. You can email in every week like everybody else, but you are, uh, sadly and uh, regrettably, from, from our point of view, uh, departing uh, both the build-up and Balls Media. And uh, you've got one more chance to win yourself two cakes in sports biography, something you haven't been able to do in, I think we're coming up on two years now. I know, to be fair, it's a year and two months. Uh, so that's a bit coming of an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it will, I'm, still go, I'm still going to be playing the big shout from home. I'll be sending in my email and I'm going to demand that I be brought on air should I ever win it. But this is my last... No, you're always welcome. Technically, my last opportunity uh, to in a presenter role, anyway, to go with this. Okay, I have a question. Look, uh, you're 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 leaving us. You're you're not gone off to a rival company or anything like that. Uh, the uh, uh, relations are still positive and good, at least for now. Uh, we'll see how we get on if you start demanding two cakes in the sports biography office or something like that. But you know, will you agree to come on air one last time next week? if you somehow manage to finally win two cakes in a sports biography. Absolutely. Okay. But now I have, on that note, I do have a demand. And that is that I'm not Johnny Cake. So should I win the two cakes in a sports biography? I want both of them to be, uh, anyone who's watching the Great British Bake Off last night would know what I'm talking about. I want ice cream cakes and specifically Romantica ice cream cakes. And I want them delivered in their frozen state. I don't want them melted or anything coming to my door. I want two Romantica ice cream cakes okay, that's in prime condition. That's, 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 <laughs> I will agree that a Romantica is at least somewhat close to, it resembles a cake enough for you to uh, do that. I don't know if the winner of a two cake sports biography has technical power over what cakes they receive. But uh, for you, Mark, anything. Uh, so let's go and win the second thing now. Come right, on. here we go. We just talked about uh, some of the GA games. We talked about Kildare and Offaly. I think Kildare look really good. They're minus four on the handicap on labrooks.com. So if Kildare to beat the handicap, that's the first one on my big shout, right? Right. Okay. Then Cork against Dublin in the hurling. We uh, touched with the, on this, that it's a really important game for Cork. I'm sticking with them. I've got uh, faith, uh, faith in Cork winning this. They're two to one on to win it. Uh, so I'm going with Cork to beat Dublin. I was looking oh, elsewhere. Money line. Yeah, just okay, to win. Yeah, it was I one. Of, it was one fair, to. Yeah. 
it was one to get me over the 25 to 1 marker here. I was looking at all the other GAA games. There's not an awful lot of uh, value that I was, uh, I was confident on. Some people might know a bit more about uh, Limerick and Tipperary. Limerick are 5 to 2, Tipperary are 5 to 2 on. Um, there's ones like, say, Dublin, obviously, against Westmead, a 1 to 100. You're not probably looking at that from a betting point of view, but it is an interesting game because it's Desi Farrell's first championship match. Is yeah. he going to do anything different? Uh, it's, it's, kind of, it's just interesting for the sake of seeing what way Dublin set up more so than... The, and, and maybe, who knows, maybe knockout football, maybe Westmead will go and uh, well, do something. Well, this is it. I don't think it's something we can expect for, but I do think it's finally something. Like, I've been avoiding Dublin-Lencer championship matches like the plague for years now. I remember going to when, when they drew, the hurlers drew with Galway in Crow Park and they played Longford in the main event afterwards. I remember thinking, I'm sure I'll enjoy this. One of the lads was home, and he went literally came from the airport straight to Crow Park, and there was seven or eight of us there, and we were like, ah, oh, we'll have a great old day. It was so boring, we left at halftime and went to Gills. <laughs> like, they were winning by about 27 points. Um, so, look, I mean, Dublin Lens Championship matches aren't known for their excitement, but I think there is a few little things in there, like the, this new players, lack of players, new manager, the fact that Westmead are one of the strongest teams they can meet in this particular, uh, you know, uh, division or province is probably a more accurate word. <laughs> you know, it's, you're talking Mead, Westmead, Kildare, uh, probably ahead of everybody else, Leash as well. Um, there's a few things to watch out for. Dublin are totally going to win. But, like, is this team a real six in a row thing? Like, these things end very quickly, Mark, you know? And especially yeah. in a random knockout year where there's no super rates or anything like that, it could go against Dublin this year I don't think it will Saturday but I'll be definitely I think do you know when you're watching John King standing at the magic wall at the American election and you're looking at it's only there's only 47 votes in but he's like oh watch uh, this county here because if he doesn't win this by 70% then he's in real trouble that's the kind of thing for Dublin if Dublin don't rack up the, the kind of performance that they normally do in first round yeah. Lens championships against Westmead you could be just thinking for later in the year is something a bit different here yeah, if you do fancy us, me, they're 14 to 1 on labbrooks.com. The I other don't. two big games of the weekend, obviously, <laughs> is, uh, as you mentioned already in the GA section, Roscommon against Mayo, Roscommon are 2 to 1, and Cork are 9 to 2 against Kerry, if you're looking at an outsider there. But that's it Ooh, for me and GA. I'm gone. So they're two of my, it's a five fold accumulator I've got here. So uh, they're minus they're, four and Cork to beat Dublin. Yep. And then looking to the Premier League, Crystal Palace against Leeds, I'm going for under two and a half goals. In this, um, so the David Hopkins Derby, the David Hopkins Derby. <laughs> that's good. Who else is there? No, let's not get let's not get sidetracked with that. <laughs> that's the first person to give it to my head, Mark, and hopefully the last. <laughs> David Hopkin, I think. No <laughs> and is, did he play for Crystal Palace? For I'm almost sure he did. He was when they had those aluminous kind of like really tin striped jerseys in the kind of late nineties. Would I be right in saying he's the current manager of Bradford? Really well. I presume Stuart McCall is. He normally is. David Hopkins uh, is a musician from uh, from Dublin. David Hopkin played for Leeds. Uh, He played for Crystal Palace. You're dead right. He played for. He went from Crystal Palace to Leeds in 1997. He was the manager of Bradford City uh, up until 2019, and is now the manager of Greenock Morton, who. Are in the Scottish Championship. So there you go. There's a David Hopkin uh, fact file. So who do you <laughs> think is going to win this match? I don't know who's going he to win it, but it's going to be... Crystal Palace in 2001, by the way, I see there. It's going to be under two and a half goals. Crystal Palace are uh, 
they're, they're doing really well this season, but they're winning games with maybe one shot on target and uh, parking the bus. Leeds are, Leeds are struggling to break down, the, and they have struggled to break down teams. Even the championship last year, they're winning games 1-0 an awful lot um, because teams have parked the bus against them and they take a while to break them down. Crystal Palace don't pose the same threat that Leicester City do on the counter-attack, so I don't think this is going to be like where Leicester City had two goals in about the first five minutes. It was like, jeez, this could be 10 here for Leeds. Uh, so I think this is going to be a low-scoring game under two and a half goals. And then I'm moving on to the two uh, two games, the two big ones that we're going to have already talked about. Arsenal against Aston Villa. I'm going for Arsenal to beat Villa. Sorry about that, Mick. And Man City against Liverpool. Liverpool to beat Man City, as I mentioned when we were chatting to Kevin Dyer earlier on. That brings me to a total of just over 27, basically 27 to 1 on the nose. Okay. I don't mind that bet at all, actually. I don't... I. I didn't go for City to beat Liverpool, as you know, but I don't think it's impossible. And I think the rest of them all look very good. There you go. This could be it. Imagine what what sort of... Uh, what, if all the stars align and I finally win it. Uh, this after, like, I felt just as confident about it this time last week and it all went my face. Uh, Claire were responsible for that, mostly, Mick. Um, yeah, now it was two things worked against you, Mark, and you think you only had four bets, so it wasn't as close as you think it was. <laughs> Have you any argument for me again that Villa will get a result against Arsenal? Uh, no, I think there's a big chance Villa will. I mean, the league is so weird this year uh, in many, many different ways. Uh, but at the same time, and they did play, they did play them and beat them. Uh, you know, at the end of last season, there's also Arsenal's famous inconsistency. I'm just saying that if I was to pick a result off the top of my head. Uh, you know, I'm probably going to pick Arsenal. But, you know, you're talking 35% as opposed to the 33 that they're yeah, automatically that game given. Is, that's, the, that's the last game on Sunday as well, yeah. on quarter past seven. So this uh, big shout is going to span the entire weekend. Which was the same time that Villa beat uh, Liverpool 7-2. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a, and they beat Leicester the following week in the, in the same slot. So maybe it's that's Villa's magic slot for the year. 